Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Pastor Erwin Raphael McManus, and just wanted to thank you for listening. In case you didn't know, I just released a new book. It's called The Genius of Jesus, The Man Who Changed Everything. And you can order it today at thegeniusofjesus.com. And so last week we began a quest for honor. We began this journey that all of us need to take that will lead us in the end to this virtue of courage. I can tell you, no matter what path you choose, no matter what life you intend to live, that without courage, you will not live the life that you were created to live. Without courage, you will never unleash your full potential or realize your greatest dreams. And so discovering how to live a life of courage may be one of the most critical and essential journeys that you and I can ever be on. But there is a mythology around courage, and we're going to dive more deeply into that next week. Sometimes it seems like there are courageous people, and then there are the rest of us who are cowards. I don't know about you, but I seem to get a high level of the DNA composition for fear. And it always seemed to me there were individuals who were naturally brave or courageous. And so a part of my own makeup had this thought that those people who are courageous must not experience or feel fear. But I soon began to discover in life that courage is not the absence of fear, but courage is the absence of self. And as we began this journey, we discovered that the journey toward courage begins in this more simple and common space, this virtue of humility. Courage is a lot more admirable than humility. We admire people who are humble, but we want to be people who have courage. But on this journey, we find that humility, though it takes us to courage, must pass through this particular virtue, integrity. Integrity is a hard sell. We understand that we should desire integrity and that we should become people of integrity, but more often than not, integrity is not as compelling or magnetic a virtue as so many other attributes in life. We learn very quickly in life that you can succeed without integrity, that you can accomplish extraordinary things without integrity. We have all around us models and examples of people who have accomplished the things we long to accomplish without the integrity that we're so oftentimes asked to take on. In fact, the truth is oftentimes to choose a life of integrity feels like a liability that slows you down and holds you up from being able to win the race that everyone is on. And yet what we will discover is that without integrity, we will not find within ourselves the resolve or the resilience to overcome the pressure of life. The word integrity is, is a curious word. It comes from that root word, integer, which means indivisible, whole, complete. By accident, you might have stumbled on prime numbers, those numbers that can only be divided by themselves, that seven is different than six and eight. That there are, are certain units that carry this quality that they cannot be divided by anything except themselves. That's the, the essence of integrity. And this same concept of integrity is connected to the concept of wholeness because both of them relate to our need for integration 
in our lives. Have you ever felt as if you are disintegrated? Things are not connected together, that something is broken and missing inside of your soul. It's easier to see the need and the reality of integrity outside of ourselves. Have you ever been on a ship or a plane that lacked integrity? See, if you ever hear that phrase when you're at 40,000 feet, the integrity of the whole of the plane has been violated, you might as well go ahead and make your last text message because it won't matter. See, because when a plane loses its integrity, it loses its capacity to protect you from the massive pressure of the atmosphere at 40,000 feet, and it will literally cause everything inside of that plane to crush like an aluminum can and then explode. If you're on a ship and that hull loses its integrity, the endless tons of pressure from the ocean will press against that ship and metal will bend like foil. And it will sink to the bottom and lose its capacity to resist the pressure of an ocean. We can see the need for integrity in the composition of things upon which we depend on every day. But all around us, we have examples. The lack of integrity in a process at a fertilizer plant in West Texas caused an explosion so powerful it could be felt 50 miles away. And 35 people lost their lives and many others were wounded and left homeless. Across the world in China, the integrity upon which people lived, the ground upon which they built their homes and their businesses and their cities and their lives no longer held up and a massive earthquake caused hundreds of people to die and thousands to be wounded and hundreds of thousands to be homeless because they could not depend on the ground that they were standing on. Two brothers decided because of a lack of integrity of heart to place bombs at the finish line of the Boston Marathon to kill at least three people and leave nearly 150 maimed and wounded. See, all around us, we have examples of what happens when integrity is lost. But rarely do we realize that what our souls are often searching for, that which our lives are longing to find is missing because of the lack of integration of our souls. One of the individuals that carries this particular journey where we see their courage, but we discover that it was their integrity that resulted in that kind of courage is this individual named David. David, who became king of Israel. David is our William Wallace, no brave heart. David is our Maximus, a gladiator, strength and honor. David it is Bruce Wayne and Peter Parker and Clark Kent all wrapped up in one king. And one of the curious things about David is that David was an incredibly flawed human being who made terrible mistakes and horrible choices. And so what we do know about integrity 
is that integrity is not about being faultless, but it is about being false-less. It is not about attaining perfection, but about discovering your intention. Let's go back to the story of David just for a few moments. This is the time where David was just a young man, probably a, a teenager. And he was shuffled off into the valley to watch his family's sheep. This was not a job given to kings or noblemen. And his brothers were far more honored and noble in their reputation, and they were in battle against the Philistines. But the Philistines had a secret weapon. It was not a sword or a spear. It was a man named Goliath. And so they proposed this particular tactic. They said, let, let us send you our greatest warrior, and then you send your greatest warrior, and then our two great warriors will battle. And whoever wins that nation conquers the other. It seemed like a great idea until they saw Goliath and felt the earth shaking and saw his shadow loom over them. And then he began to taunt them and mock them because he knew they were shaking with fear and lacked the integrity to follow through on their values. And David shows up, shepherd boy, wrong place, wrong time. All he's doing is delivering cheese, a meaningless task. But as he delivers the cheese, he listens in and he hears Goliath's taunting and he wonders why there's no one who's stepping up. And so David asks, why is there no one who's stepping up to kill this giant? and silence him. And of course, his brothers are there, and they're not stepping up. No one wants to step up. Saul doesn't want to step up. So David says, I'll take care of it, <laughs> which was really kind of condescending and convicting. And so his brothers challenge his motives. You're just here because you, you, you want to be nosy and curious and malevolent. And David says, no, I, I just think somebody should kill the giant. And so he volunteers and he says this to King Saul. He says, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. That's his resume. I have been taking care of sheep. That's why I'm qualified to kill giants. It makes perfect sense. If you follow with me. He says, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. Just like we would do. <laughs> then it turned on me. I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, that's not a compliment, will be like one of them <laughs> because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. I hate that translation. It's not a paw. It's a claw. <laughs> the Lord who rescued me from the claw of the lion and the claw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David saying, I, I've done this before. And I did it when no one was watching for no other reason than I was entrusted with the care of those sheep. And so now, in this moment, I prepared when no one was watching 
for a moment that everyone will see. I love this. David's resume is what he did when no one was looking. Not what he tried to make others people see about himself. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you, because we won't be with you. Now, this story peels beautifully backwards. See, David lets us know that what he did in secret is what would form and inform him for what he did in public. And in 1 Samuel 16, 1 Samuel 16, right before this, we have Samuel the priest looking for the next king. He's going to anoint the next king, and God sends him to the house of Jesse, and he knows that one of Jesse's sons is going to become the king of Israel. So he has all of his sons parade in front of Samuel. He's going to pick the one who obviously should be king. And and I I love this story. I, I feel it very personally. As that kid who never got picked, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord because he's tall, good-looking. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. See, sometimes you look at someone who's like tall and good-looking. You can compare him to someone who's not as tall and good looking. Just turn around so people can understand. I'm talking about you. You see, I'm just saying, but the Lord does not look at these things, okay? Just keep painting. Just keep painting. It's okay. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinabad, Dab, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So Jesse brings all of his sons that came to his mind, all of his sons that he thought could be qualified to be king, all of his sons who He felt we're on this quest for honor, and he passed them all before Samuel, and none of them were the right one. But then he asked him a question. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? See, this question is very telling. You shouldn't have to ask a father, are these all the sons you have? (laughs) See, the, the father should have brought all the sons. Even the one that you don't think meets up to the expectation of the standard. Are these all the sons you have? It's almost as Jesse's going, a lot of sons. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got the other one. He says, well, there is still the youngest. Jesse answered, he is tending the sheep. What he's saying is, well, yeah, there's one more, but you don't need to see him. I have him taking care of sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. I love this. Jesse didn't even honor his son enough to bring him. But now Samuel says, I'm going to honor your son by not allowing anyone to sit down until he comes. 
<laughs> so he sent for him and brought him in. And he was glowing with health and had fine appearance and handsome features and a great personality. <laughs> then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. I love this. Because so many times we're pulled in and magnetized by this heroic narrative in life that our lives should count. I know inside of each of you, there's this, this longing to do something that matters, to not be lost in insignificance. I know inside of all of us, there's this longing to be chosen by someone, by God. And here, we are told that God never chooses by external appearance. He looks at the heart. And this is what guides his choices. And then if we step back into this in Psalm 78, verses 70 through 72, we, we learn this about David. It says, God chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens from tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of the people of Jacob. See, God knew he could trust David with people because he could trust him with sheep. And if David would risk his life for a lamb against a lion or a bear, David was the kind of person God could trust to take care of a people, be entrusted with power and rule. And it says, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. The characteristic and qualification that God looks for on this quest for honor is a person whose heart is pure toward him and toward others. I also love what Proverbs 28.1 says. It says, the wicked flee though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. See, when you take care of this, when you begin to take on the virtue of integrity, you find an unexpected courage that shapes your life and all the pressure in the world cannot crush your soul, cannot crush your spirit, cannot crush your dreams, cannot steal from you your hope or your future or your life because your integrity becomes your armor from all the pain and hardship and suffering of the world. Now remember, everything God creates has integrity. That's a G. Everything that God creates was meant to be integrated. And what you find in the universe is that the integration of the entire universe has one essential purpose, it is to create and sustain life. And when you think about things like aerosols destroying the ozone, our actions actually are affecting the integrity of the atmosphere. Isn't that extraordinary? But that doesn't really matter unless life has value. I mean, global warming only matters if life matters. See, the environment only matters if life matters. 
If life doesn't matter, let's just pollute everything, consume everything, destroy everything, and let the entire cosmos go in disarray out of integrity, out of alignment. But something inside of us knows we're supposed to protect even innocent and unprotected species. We know we're supposed to protect pigeons and beetles. We know we're supposed to protect oceans and atmospheres. Somehow we understand that the entire universe is created with integrity and that we are responsible to care for that and keep it aligned. Now, ever notice that everything seems to have more natural integrity than humans? I mean, I can tell you, and this may be hard for you to accept, but baboons have more integrity than most of us, and than all of us. See, I can tell you, a baboon is doing exactly what a baboon should do. Orangutans are living lives of integrity in that sense because they're living out the intention God gave them. Gravity has such integrity. If you jump off of a 10-story building and you're a really evil human being, you'll go plummeting down to your death, but not because you're evil, because you're stupid. Because you jumped out of a 10-story building and gravity is consistent. And if a really good human being jumps out of that 10-story building, gravity's not going to say, well, they're so much better as a human being. I'll slow down the drop. And if you're really, really attractive, I mean, you're just really good looking if gravity is a woman, or really beautiful if gravity is a man. If you jump out that window, gravity's not going to go, oh my gosh, he is ripped. I'm going to slow him down. <laughs> I'm going to make sure he lands softly to preserve that face, because that's, that's the money. <laughs> See, no matter who you are, what you've done, when you jump out of that 10-story building, gravity will always treat you the same, because everything is created with integrity. Because it's reflective of the integrity of God. Because God can be trusted. Because God is trustworthy. Everything in the cosmos is reflective of that integrity. Strangely, except for humans. See, I'm telling you, there's not a single antelope in the Serengeti who will wake up tomorrow and say, I'm done being an antelope. I'm going to be a lion. Tomorrow, I'm doing the hunting. I'm tired of being hunted. Be on notice, lion prides. I'm coming your way. See, that would be a very short-lived fantasy. The lions would be going, they're coming to us. It's delivery. Because everything in the created order lives out its intention, but humans don't. Have you ever gone shopping? I mean, I'm assuming you shop. I shop. On, on occasion, right, right now, my wife Kim and my daughter Mariah are in Tanzania, so I had to go shopping. There's a place called Pavilions, and they carry food product inside of there. And so I went inside of Pavilions, and I thought that they're gone for two weeks, so I went and bought about eight bags of popcorn <laughs> and cases of diet root beer. And, and I thought, okay, this will hold me, because then I can just go to the Froyo place in between frozen yogurt, popcorn, and diet root beer. I'm good for two weeks, and I'll be all right. And, and there's a section. I don't know if you know this. 
that is, that is filled with fruit and vegetables. <laughs> it is. And I know, I know, it's amazing. And, uh, <laughs> have you ever gone there to, to buy bananas? I mean, have you ever purchased bananas? See, I, I have a suspicion you didn't actually purchase bananas. You, you bought banana peels. Because really, if the universe didn't have integrity, you wouldn't really know what was inside of one of these. But you go to the store, and you spend your hard-earned money on banana peels. Never so confident that inside there's going to be a banana. It could be asparagus. Could be three musketeers. Most likely, though, it's a banana. So I, I need three people who have had some past experience with bananas to stand up right now. Okay, I'm, I'm going to throw some bananas out, and, and I need, oh, you'll tell, wow, you're fast. My goodness. Look at the women, man. Guys, this is the problem, okay? This is why you're not dating. It's because they're, you know, they're moving faster than you, and you're still sitting there going, what's going on? And All right, let's see. Jesse, are you back there? All right, stand up. All right, catch it. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, uh, and you can give that to Madeline. All right. And then, all right, here you go. Oh, very, very good. Okay, and I'll take one over here. I can't see out there. So is there, is there anyone standing uh, in the middle, back, somewhere where it's dark? Okay. All right. Okay. Take that and hand it to a lady. Okay. Oh, look at that. All right. We have one more over here. Wow, you guys are hungry. Okay, here you go. You got it? Okay, now, those of you who caught the banana, stand up. Stand up. Do not unpeel it. See, and I'm already speaking with great confidence that you've caught a banana. Because what I know is that you've caught a banana peel. But I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here tonight and risk my reputation. I'm going to tell you that every single time we unpeel one of these things, there's going to be a banana inside. But I know some of you come here, you're, you're, you're cynical. You're skeptical. You're, 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 you're just inquiring and checking this whole faith thing out. And you're thinking, now nah, this is a setup. So I'm going to ask you before we go any further, have we talked before this moment? Okay, have we met backstage? All right, has this been pre-planned in any way? Okay, so now I want you to peel away the peel and tell me what you find inside. You're very fast, okay? Okay, all right, over here? Banana. Banana, all right, over here? Okay, banana and? Banana, okay, okay. You were not saying that with great confidence. You're making me nervous, okay? And, uh, all right, but, but you see, this is the problem. You're, you're clearly people of faith because you just looked at it and just accepted that it was a banana without any empirical research. And so I think you should take a bite and make sure it actually is a banana, okay? And, uh, and not like a cantaloupe. Bana banana? All right, you see, and there's a reason for that. So you've never even thought about the possibility that when you buy a banana peel, there could be anything except banana inside because everything in the universe is created with integrity. What it says on the outside is consistent to what you'll find on the inside. All right, so give these people a hand. Let them, all right. But, but have you ever gone to the store 
and bought a watermelon. Uh-huh. Okay, I need, I need some woman somewhere to stand up. Okay. <laughs> it's because you, you probably did not buy a watermelon. You bought a watermelon rind, which is not that valuable. You buy a watermelon rind with absolute certainty that every single time there's going to be a watermelon inside. Now, there's some of you here who are very cynical, so you buy the already pre-sliced watermelons <laughs> that give you empirical evidence that there's a watermelon connected to the rind. I understand that. Probably pain and disappointment in the past has brought you to that level of doubt, and you had to buy it already sliced. But when you buy a watermelon, how do you decide which watermelon to buy? You, you thump it. It's like, you, you can't let know, I'm taking you home and I'm in charge. So why are you thumping it? Okay, okay, so you're thumping it, not like to, 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 to get a response, like, buy me, buy me, or anything like that. It, you're, you're thumping it to hear if it's hollow. Okay, now, in the past, I've considered this a highly intelligent room, and, and what, but what you're saying to me is you go and spend your good money on a watermelon rind, you thump it, and if it sounds hollow, you buy it. That makes perfect sense, and now I understand why our nation is in the economic condition it's in. Uh, all right. But because everything in the universe has integrity. <laughs> Stick with the metaphor. Braveheart. Gladiator. Last Samurai. And if I'm correct, inside this watermelon rind, there will be a rabbit. So I better strike it with some force. We do not want the rabbit to be injured and not killed. Oh, and look what we find. We do not find a rabbit inside of a watermelon rind, yes. I can do this every time. <laughs> there will be a watermelon. It smells really, really good, too. Why? Because everything that God creates has integrity. And then there's this very squirrely species known as humans that have free will because they're created as objects of love, created for relationship with God, created with intention and intelligence. And so we can actually violate our integrity and live a life we were not created to live. You were created to live in relationship to God to be enveloped and consumed by his love, to be free and alive because of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, on the cross. You were created to live in relationship to others. We were designed as a species to live in love. 
to live by love. The guiding principle of all creation is love. The intention of God is always love. But because our hearts are out of alignment with him, our hearts are out of alignment with each other, and our hearts are out of alignment with the universe. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing to God? He said, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Saying it's time to stop living with a divided heart, a divided mind, and a divided self. See, what actually happens in this journey for integrity is that we feel ourselves divided. Have you ever felt as if you were not the same person everywhere and with everyone? Sometimes we feel as if we're we're different people at, at work and different people at home and different people at play and different people at church and different people at night. And we find ourselves more and more disconnected and disintegrated when we do not live integrated lives. And in fact, have you ever been around people that brought the worst out in you? They're called family, okay? I mean, have you ever felt as if you were much better than people know, but your job just brings out the worst in you? See, what what happens is that we are not disintegrated like this. We are disintegrated like this. We create layers of ourselves that hide who we are from others and from ourselves. And so we're really nice people when the circumstances are perfectly right. All of us, aren't we? And so you might say, oh, I'm really kind when, when there's no pressure. I'm, I'm really patient. How many of you guys are, are incredibly patient when everything is happening exactly on time? Right? How many of you always tell the truth when the truth works to your advantage? How many of you are, are always in healthy relationships as long as those relationships are giving you everything you want. And then, because there's so little pressure, this is who you look like, but then, oh, have you ever dated someone and and later you said, this is not who you were? See, it it is who they were. What you're you're actually saying is, I liked layer number one. (laughs) I'm not particularly enamored with layer number two. See, because when the pressure cooker comes, which is called dating for three months, (laughs) see, when when the pressure cooker comes, which is called employment, when the pressure cooker comes, which is called life, all all of a sudden, you find at the next level, you're, you're, well, you're more unkind. You go, "I'm, I'm I'm so sorry, and you start attributing your unkindness to something that's going on in the world around you. See, what you're really saying is, It takes this much pressure to strip away my outer layer until you see my next layer. Oh, well, I am a truthful person except when the truth can get me in trouble. And then I start telling white lies, which we know 
do not exist, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Tell him I'm not home. He says he's not home. (laughs) We are patient until what we want doesn't happen. We are patient until we get on the 405. We are patient until this really troubling element enters people. And then that pressure pressures us and we become someone else and we get to the next core. And for some people, the third level isn't simply unkindness, it's violence. It isn't simply impatience, it's bitterness. It isn't simply white lies, it's deception. See, we live disintegrated lives when we create layers that hide and conceal our core self. By the way, religion drives all your energy to creating an external shell that hides who you are at your core. And that's why religion will leave you empty and fill you with guilt and with shame. But Jesus came to do something drastically different. He came to give us integrity of heart, to change us from the inside out. And so the scriptures tell us that God intends to give us a new heart. He gives us a new core, that we become new creations, that what Jesus came to do through his death on the cross and through his resurrection is to realign us with God. I love Jesus' prayer to his father. He said, Father, I pray that they might be one even as we are one. You know what Jesus is praying? Father, I pray that they might experience the level of integration connected to you, connected to each other by love. If you're here tonight and the universe inside of you is in disarray, you know that something's out of alignment. But you know that you were intended and created for more. You know in your gut that your life is supposed to have meaning and purpose, that you were created with intention. I want you to know tonight that you are the intentional creation of God, created in an act of love for a relationship with him. And when you allow him to reconnect you to himself through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, you begin to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you begin to love your neighbor as yourself. You begin to see the power of one, of wholeness, of integration. And you are no longer broken into pieces, but are indivisible. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. 
I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible and creates life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading this message around the world by going to mosaic.org slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.